So I want you to think through this with me for a second. There are a lot, how many of you know of all these shows and all these things on TV that are about repairing or restoring or fixing or doing something like that? I see a lot of nodding. So you've heard of these things, you know, it's pick this, fix that, flip that. It's all, you know, all these things about people taking houses, cars, properties, whatever, and changing them, facelifts, making them new, making them better. To be perfectly honest, that's not quite my thing. If I'm perfectly honest, I look at the shows and look and I'm like, this, this is just people rooting through other people's garbage. This, this, this is, why is this appealing? This is literally people going around, I'm going to, what am I going to do today? I'm going to jump in a junkyard and dig through it and find something that obviously somebody didn't want and go, that's exactly what I need. I know a lot about this because my lovely, wonderful wife is one of, is one of those people. <laughs> I know because when I get home from work, she meets me sometimes and says, You'll never believe what I found. And it's not the normal, I went to the store and found this. It is, I was driving down the road and there was a beat up old couch and I got my dad to come meet me and we loaded it in the truck and it's in the basement. And I'm like, why? Why did you bring it in here? But she, it's because we'll look at the same thing and it's amazingly, it's, it's an amazing thing to be able to look at something. And have two people look at the same thing, yet have such different perspectives. I look at the table or the chair, the, 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 the dresser, the whatever it is that's been tossed aside. And I see all the scrapes, all the breaks, the paint that's peeled, the leg that's broken, the smell that it may have. I look at all of those things and I go, no, this is beyond its expiration date. We don't need this. This is, we're done. It's too broken. It's too dirty. It's too old. It's too useless. No. Yet my wife always says, you have to look at it how I look at it. Look at it for what it could be. And she starts explaining how if she sands this here, if she polishes that, or if she cuts that off and then attaches something else, or if she reupholsters or paints it and paints this picture of this hasn't, this isn't useless. This isn't past its point. It's not too broken. It's not too dirty. It's not too smelly. This still has value. And when she does that, you know what that sounds like, right? You know where I'm going with this. I get this image of a loving Savior, Jesus, looking at us in our sinful state, broken, dirty, past our expiration date to a degree, smelly. We are smelly in our sin. And looking at all the world and going, but him standing there and interceding for us and going, no, they're not past their expiration date. No, they're not too broken. They're not too dirty. They're not too smelly. They still have value. They are still of use. And he advocates for us. And it always just astounds me. One example, which is where our scripture is going to be from today, is in the book of Philemon. Now, Philemon is an interesting letter. It's one of Paul's letters. And it's interesting because out of all the different letters that you have in Scripture and all the works that Paul did, this is what you would consider a personal letter. It's very short. This isn't the letter to the church in Colossae or the Philippians or the Ephesians. This is a personal letter from one person to another person. This isn't the church of Philemon. This is just Philemon the guy. 
And it's interesting because in all the other letters, again, Paul is sharing deep theological truth that is meant to be read for everybody. And there's an insight about godly living and what is the faith and what is salvation and what is sin. But this is, again, a personal letter about a personal matter. To set the context, what's happening is this. Philemon is a member of the Christian faith in Colossae. In the, so, the, so he's probably, from what we read and we understand, he has a house church in his house. He's probably a wealthy person, person of standing. He's a believer and knows Paul. They have a relationship. So Paul, at this point, is imprisoned in Rome. And he's writing this letter to Philemon on behalf of someone. See, Philemon, like many people at the time, had slaves or laborers, people that worked for him. One such person was an individual named Onesimus. Now, scholars have different opinions on the details and what exactly happened. The bottom line is that Onesimus worked for, was a slave for Philemon, and one way or another, he ran away. This wasn't that he was released. This wasn't that he was allowed to go. He ran away. And some scholars would say that he just didn't run away. He also probably stole money, stole things to be able to make it on his own, and he, and he left. Ran away, went to another city. Now, in the context of the time, a, a, a slave owner, when that happens, if you are ever to see that slave again, you have the right legally to imprison, to shackle, to, to have him executed. So once this has happened, again, to put it in context, we don't expect, Philemon is probably going, well, I'm never going to see that guy again because I know that if I see him, he knows what's coming. So then in the context of this letter, what's happening is that somewhere or another, Onesimus has made his way to Rome. Onesimus has met Paul, and Paul has led Onesimus to the Lord, and he is now a believer. Okay? So it is in this context that the letter to Philemon takes place, because then what we see is that Paul writes his friend Philemon on behalf of his new brother in the faith, Onesimus. Now, it's an interesting thing, and you have to keep in mind again what it would have been like at that time to receive a letter like this. Philemon knows Paul. He's a friend. He receives a letter from Paul. Oh, this is wonderful. My friend Paul, brother Paul is writing. Opens up the letter, starts reading. The letter, if you would read, starts with some, you know, greetings and some praises. Philemon, I've heard this about, you know, some, some really great things he's He's probably reading it and going, oh, thank you, Paul. That's so kind of you, Paul. Then all of a sudden, it gets to verse 8. And it says this. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as, as none other than Paul, the old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Again, put yourself in the position of Philemon. You get the letter from your friend Paul. Everything's looking good. Everything's going great. Oh, it's great to hear from him. You get to that part and you kind of like stop. Wait a second. This said Onesimus. Honey, did did he just say Onesimus? Was that, wasn't that our slave that ran away? Is he talking about that Onesimus? It is, in, again, remember the context. 
This slave ran away. What he's due, what, he, what is coming to him, if ever found, is imp more imprisonment, beatings, execution, something like that. All of a sudden, this slave that ran away, this thief, is, is thrust, the, the name is thrust back into his life. And Paul is talking about him as my son, who, who formerly useless to you, but now useful to both of us. And again, that's a play in words in itself because the name Onesimus in the original language means useful. Paul is acknowledging, look, this is your slave. Let's, I know that he was before of no use to you. And that doesn't necessarily reflect whether he was a good slave or not, but essentially that he was not a good person, was not of benefit, but now that he's not only of benefit to him, but to Paul and to a further bigger picture. To put it in context of how we started, Onesimus had plenty of blemishes on him, socially, economically, different other reasons, plenty of things that meant he pretty much should live a life of being discarded. He doesn't want to resurface. He doesn't want to be found. He's not going to be able to do much with his life anymore because he's, 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 he's a runaway slave. And here Paul is writing to somebody, and much, much against kind of cultural norm, He's trying to redefine what this relationship should be. If you go further down and you read up in some following verses, it says this in verse 15. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is a very dear, he's very dear to me, and even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. And if he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Again, put yourself in the shoes of Philemon. You're hearing from your friend Paul. He brings up Onesimus, this this blemish in your past of like this that's the thief that ran away and stole all my stuff so let's think about it. so what is paul saying about this man he's now a believer apparently so i'm supposed to forgive him because he's a brother in the faith i'm supposed to welcome him back as if i was welcoming paul back and then also any debt anything that was stolen anything that was done anything that needs to be repaid i should just put on paul's account That is the gospel. That is Jesus in a nutshell. Yes, it is. That is Jesus looking at God the Father, who rightfully has the right, looks at us as sinners and wants to say, nope, they are, they've got blemishes on them. They're dirty. They're marked. They're broken. They, there is something that is due to them. And Jesus sends them up and says, no, 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 no. I died for them. I covered that. That's been put on my account. Please welcome them back. Forgive them of their sins. And not only welcome them back, but welcome them back as fellow brothers and sisters, as your sons, your adoptive sons and daughters. Philemon is sitting there going, you're asking me to forgive when I don't legally have to. You're asking me to welcome him as a friend when he's not my friend. And you're asking me to put his debt on your account when you're not the one that owes me. But the beauty of it is that what Paul is doing is that he is living out the same grace that he experienced. 
See, the beauty of the gospel, the reason it is good news, is it, is, it has this ongoing fluid legacy to it. It is not a stationary, boxed-in thing. Paul is able to write this letter because not that long ago, he was the guy persecuting Christians who Jesus had to meet on the road and blind. Then Jesus had to intercede on his behalf to Ananias so that he could be healed. And then now Paul is just reciprocated. He's doing the same thing. He's following the model that has been taught to him. Where grace is given, grace is expected to be passed on. God is in the business of restoration. All those shows we watch are, have nothing on this. This is episodes and stories full of those restoration stories where God takes Moses, the murderer, and helps him lead his people. Where God takes David, the adulterer and murderer, and he's the king, of, the man after God's own heart and the greatest king. Throughout, without David, we don't have Jesus. And Jesus, the man who takes, the, takes fishermen, tax collectors, who tis, sits with prostitutes and with sinners. Every one of those connections is God saying, I see value. I see purpose. I see usefulness. Where others see sin, blemish, separation. Where they're too far gone. Nothing is too far gone to Jesus Christ. Jesus does for Paul what Paul does for Onesimus, and so on and so forth. A little bit about my story. Um, I was here, some of you may remember, about four years ago as a resident as well. And after a year of that, the Lord called me and my wife to go work at a church um, down in Byron Center. And we went. During that time, as in, sadly, other times of my life, I was more of an Onesimus. For various reasons, I just did not live up to what God would have asked of me. I did not inquire. I did not listen. And therefore, my time there did not go as planned. Things did not go as well as they could have within the kingdom scope of things. Things were not as smooth. I was not as effective and it was a lot harder than it should have been. But working in churches, working in ministry, that's hard. But it was much harder. I was a runaway slave. It's not that I ran away from God. I think, I believe I went where he called me to. But I did it in a runaway slave kind of way. I took what he had given me. And I did what I thought should be done. And tried to do it my way. And that never works out. But, but. The beauty of the gospel, the reason it is good news, is that from whatever depth you've gone to, whether you have all the money in the world or no money, all the health, you're dealing with, with illness ongoing, wherever you find yourself, whatever age, whatever you find yourself, whatever you've done, the beauty of the gospel is that if we will return to him, if we will acknowledge, I am broken, I am smelly, I am dirty, I've got a lot of nicks and bruises. I've got, I'm, I'm not the polished thing I could have been or was at one point. But what I have, I, I bring back to you. Only you, and we acknowledge and we call out to him. Like the father in the prodigal son, he runs to us. Throws his arms around us, clothes us. 
and sets us back on the right path. There is never a point in our life, there's never a mistake great enough, big enough, that we will not be able to go back to the Lord and go, this is what I have, please forgive me. That the Lord will not look at it and go, I can work with that. There is never a sin that he will not say, I can forgive that and I can work with that. Oh, he, we're, again, if he can work with loaves and fishes, he can work with us. By the Lord's grace, he has allowed my wife and I to be set back on the path of being able to do ministry again, which is what we love. And he's allowing us to work on this church plant, which we're very excited about. But again, it's, it's a reminder that what we share with people is good news. It is news that people need. People want to hear. All of us love redemption stories, don't we? The character comes back from the mistakes or when they were down, they, they, they pull themselves up or somebody helps them pull them. We all love those stories. We all live those stories. All of us here to a degree, whether you've lived a life of having everything or whether you've lived a life of having nothing, spiritually speaking, all of us are restoration projects in the hands of God the Father. Because that is the business that he is in, in the business of making all things new, of restoring that which has been broken. It is the reason why he can sit with whoever he sits with, no matter what their station in life is, and have an impact on their life because what he is providing is what all of us need. I love the fact that, again, in this story, there's a, he's not appealing out of position of power, which he says in the verse that he could, being Paul, say, this is what you must do. Which is sometimes what I ask of God himself. I'm like, in your authority, you could just do things. But because of God's love and grace, he doesn't force himself. He persuades us. And in the same way, Paul doesn't want Philemon to miss the blessing of welcoming Onesimus out of his own choice. He wants him to choose it. Because that is what the story of the gospel is. That those that were lost are now found and we celebrate. The same as the prodigal son came back and the older brother had a choice to either celebrate that fact or be bitter. Philemon has a choice to say, well, great, welcome back Onesimus. And welcome him as a brother of the faith or to not. But it has to be his choice. Paul talks in Ephesians about the fact that how we're saved, in all the songs this morning, we're saved by grace, not by our own works. It is a work that has been done for us. I want to encourage you guys. Um, I don't know where each of you are at. I, I, I don't. There's no way that I could know. I know some of you, maybe. Um, but oftentimes when we come to Scripture, it is a good thing to look at, the, look at what we're reading and ask God, where am I in this? This is a really easy one to do that in because you basically got three categories. There's Paul, there's Philemon, and there's Onesimus. So what I would encourage you to do is that as, as you're thinking about this and as you're thinking about the grace that has been extended to you, as you're thinking about what you know of the gospel, how your faith has been lived out, the journey that you've been on, as you think about the people that have stepped in and influenced your life at certain times and been a help, been an encouragement, as you think about those things, I want you to take a moment and pause and look at your life as it is right now and think about this story. Is God calling you to maybe be a Paul? right now 
Are there relationships or people in your life that you have the opportunity to step in the gap for and intercede for, to advocate for? Are there broken relationships in your work, in your family? Are there people in your neighborhood? Are there relationships that have fallen away that you have an opportunity to possibly, in faith, step in and say, let me speak on behalf of my brother. Let me speak on behalf of my sister. Let me try to help repair this damage. Let me try to be a, a source of hope or encouragement, a peacemaker in this situation. Is there an opportunity for that in your life right now? Is there somewhere, is God, as you're hearing this, stirring in you and bringing certain names to mind where you've been idly sitting by just watching it happen? Maybe God's saying, I need you to step in here. I need you to write that letter. I need you to advocate. I need you to point out that there is still worth, that there is still value, that there is still use. Are you possibly Philemon in this story? Is somebody trying to advocate for somebody else and you're being resistant? Is, forget whether somebody's advocating or not. Is there somebody in your life that you have been separated from or that there has been a rift in the relationship but you've seen a change in that person's life and you feel God going, I need you to extend a hand to them. Oh, but God, you don't remember. Before they got saved, this is what they were like. This is how they treated me. This is how they did. This is how they acted. I'm, that's great that they got saved, but I, I still am carrying a lot of stuff. Is God looking you at going, I mean, to be blunt, I could carry a lot of stuff, but I left it at the cross. You know, is, it, is God looking at you and saying, I understand what's happened, but that's no longer, you're not, the person you're looking at is no longer that person. Because the minute they chose me, the minute they gave their life to me, and I forgave them of their sin, they became a new creation. The old man is dead. Is he asking you to let go of something so that a relationship can be repaired? Is that who you are in this story? And then finally, are you possibly Onesimus? And this could be Onesimus in different stages. Are you Onesimus and you just ran away? There's been no reparation made. There's been no, you haven't made that choice. But you're running from something. Or you're living in a way that you know you shouldn't. Do you need to have that encounter with God? We don't know the details of what happened when Onesimus met Paul and how, the, how, how that turned into he becoming a brother of the faith. But we know that it's the same story no matter what. Not by our own works, but by grace. If we acknowledge our sins and we claim that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. So to some degree, that's what happened. Is that what you need to do today? Is God calling out to you? Is he pulling at you? Is he said, giving you unrest inside saying, I have something for you and you've been fighting it? Is today the day you make a decision? Maybe you have made the decision, but you're the one that has that past. And you go, oh, it's so wonderful to be a part of the family of God now, but I know who I was before. Are there reparations that you need to make? Paul was sending this letter to Philemon because he was also sending Onesimus back to the church in Colossae. Onesimus needed to go back. In the book, in the letter to Philemon, Paul says, I wish I could keep him with me, but I can't do that. I have to send him back. 
is God in his welcoming of you and forgiving you and making you one of his sons and daughters, also asking you, now in that, with me, through me, go back and make repairs. Let them see who you are now. That can be scary. (laughs) That can be unnerving. But is that what he's calling you to do? I rejoice in the fact that I serve a God who knows me at my worst, works with me at my best, and in all things says, if you will choose me, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, nor abandon you. That his faithfulness can be counted on. And that he doesn't require perfection out of us. He requires faithfulness. The gospel is good news. In Philemon, what we are given with is a small personal glimpse and example of what it looks like to live the life that God has called us to, to to exemplify and pass on that which we have received, grace and forgiveness, love and, and, and hope. All of us have been benefactors of that or have the opportunity to bless others with it. The same as Jesus met Paul, Paul met Onesimus. Then if you read in Colossians chapter 4, verse 9, it's Onesimus and somebody else that's delivering the letter to the the Colossian church and reading it out. So he's not only getting sent back to fix things with Philemon, he's already being used for ministry. So then Jesus to Paul, Paul to Onesimus, Onesimus to the church in in Colossae, and so on and so forth. Up to us today. It is an ongoing legacy. It is the best example of pay it forward you can ever see. He is in the business of making things new, of making things that looked broken, looked past their expiration, that beyond the point of repair and saying, no, in me this has value. And as he lifts us up, we then have the opportunity to extend it to the next person and to the next person and to the next person. I pray that all of us will both thank God for how he's done that for us but then pray for opportunities to do it for others that we will see, as my wife says, through his eyes and see what he sees, not what we see. And through his eyes of love and compassion, see the Imago Dei, his his image bearers, and be drawn to making a difference in their life for the sake of the kingdom. Are you Paul? Are you Philemon? Are you Onesimus? And what is God calling you to? What opportunity has he laid before you? And how will you respond?